and shooting, and of course sapping, all in one swamp stomping adventure. The Adventures of Bayou Billy for Nintendo. You're raging Cajun on the heels of that gangster king of Bourbon Street, the swamp rat that kidnapped your best girl Annabelle. And it'll take all the right moves, lightning fast reflexes, and an eagle eye to emerge alive from the first game for Nintendo that combines hand-to-hand -hand combat, driving and shooting, and zapping into one wild adventure. Konami! Dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I, and my beard, am Rick. Random bander do, where are you? We've got some work to do now. Random banter do, where are you? We need some help from you now. Random banter time, buddy o' mine. Talk to me for a while. Peggy, we've got problem. Oh, how could you tell that that came from Scooby-Doo? <laughs> well, well, Jeff, let me tell you. We got ourselves a Scooby-Delicious little uh, episode coming up here. Uh, yes, and, and it is right out of a Hanna-Barbera Scooby-Doo cartoon. So, yes sir, Bob, that is just on the nose and perfect amundo. We do not have the Harlem Globetrotters or Batman and Robin making an appearance, but we do have Ghost and our Goblins in a Scooby-Doo-like tale. So, yep. <laughs> they even mentioned yep. that in the story a few times. Yes, they do. Uh, both Jack and Jim mention yeah. Scooby-Doo, yeah. so it's very much just like, uh, this one writes itself. This one writes I don't itself, even need yeah. to work on nah. it. So. Nah, nah, I, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> Life is going well. We are, uh, recording time-wise, we are a week before Christmas. A week before Christmas. It's it. That means that we are crawling to the end of 2020, folks. The dumpster fire is still going strong, but we can see the fire engine coming. <laughs> wow, that, that that was a little uh, little little tail I wove right there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we hear sirens in the distance. <laughs> wow, that, that's actually really depressing. Now that I say it out loud. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's you know how it is. This year has been very much been ripping along and also has taken decades. Yes. So yes, yes, yes. December is gonna be the same way. The random banter big thing for me right now is that my monthly Monday movie muckabout show is going strong. I have been pulling in guests. I've been doing a lot of recordings with that. Uh, just in the past few weeks, I think I have started, completed about twelve different episodes. So I'm I'm quite happy those are going to start coming out starting January uh, once a week on Mondays on the Longbox Crusade, and I, I'm just having fun with it. I like talking to people about movies. Can't see my friends and watch movies with them right now, so this is the next best thing, and it's kind of fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm glad that that's working as uh, well for you as it has been, and I think that's really pretty great. I've enjoyed the ones that I've listened to. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you tend to uh, sneak in through the back door and catch the ones that aren't coming out for months down the way because yep. you, you know where to go and find them in our in our lovely... <laughs> 
folders yeah, that we I'm, have. <laughs> I'm sneaky, sneaky that way. I'm first listener. It is the best. <laughs> I have to take away your keys sometime. No, <laughs> it's my only Perkin Benny. <laughs> How about you? What is uh, new and wonderful in the life of your wonderful house? <laughs> well, my daughter got her very first haircut. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I might have seen something about that. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it was, was professionally done. Uh, it, was. It, was in, it was in a COVID-safe area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she, she didn't cry at all doing it, right? No, she didn't. In fact, she was very, very happy and excited about it. It was a surprise to me and her mother. Uh, awkward, but, uh, awkward. <laughs> yeah, it's like I come downstairs, I see her, I give her a hug, I look at her, and I go, hmm, okay. And then I walk into the kitchen, and I'm like, doing some stuff i'm like oh i need to throw this out into the garbage and i start throwing something in the garbage and i stop and i'm like why is there a giant mass of hair in the kitchen garbage hey hillary did you like empty out some brushes or something she's like what are you talking about i'm like there's a bunch of hair in here but it doesn't seem like it's your hair color and you know i bald so (laughs) oh we go run into the front room and she's just happy as a clam but she's got her kid's safety scissors in her hand up to her head more and it's like stop and she's like i'm making a face (laughs) (laughs) she had gotten tired of having hair in her eyes because she hasn't had a haircut before and she was you know hair was coming in real nice and was looking really good and uh you know it's kind of kept on going over you know one her left eye and stuff and apparently she got tired of having that uh in her way so she gave herself a haircut and she did good enough that you know, you can't really tell. It looks just like she got a haircut. We tidied it up a little bit, but it's just kind of like, oh, this part's very long. And then some of this is very short, but nah, whatever. Kids cut their own <laughs> hair all the time. Uh, it's hair. It'll grow back. And my assumption is in the future, she will have many really good haircuts and many really bad haircuts. So, <laughs> meh, whatever. When she does a haircut and she ends up looking like you, that would be considered a bad haircut. Potentially, or we just go, I, and, hey, that's and I'm cool. Saying, and I'm saying total. You know, she cuts her hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She cuts her hair. She's bald and she has a beard. That would be a bad, bad haircut. That would be a bad haircut for a three-year-old, yes. 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 Or an awesome one. I can't really tell. <laughs> I don't know, but where's the super glue? <laughs> I'm making a hairy face. I'm like daddy. And it's like, yeah, babe, you are. Oh, you've oh, got, you've got oh daddy's dear. locks on the front. Oh, oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> Which would be one of those things where I'm like, hold on, honey, smile. I got to take a photo and post this. Okay. Now never do that again. And we got to fix this problem. <laughs> now we're going to introduce you to Mr. Safety Razor. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, strange things tend to happen in the home. Mm-hmm. That brings us to this book where there are strange happenings in the old Power Pack home. So we should go ahead and move on and talk about that. And the only way we can do that is if you give us a two cents replay from last episode. Maggie realizes that a bored Jack is a dangerous Jack. So she sets up an afternoon of fun and adventure with, oh boy, my favorite, Franklin Richards, to go solo to a mall and to see an animatronic dinosaur exhibit. Unfortunately, the kid's rampage at food courts and toy shops is interrupted by the machinations of the mad thinker who has programmed the dinosaurs for evil distractions so that he can go and rob a hot dog on a stick. Now that the, I mean, the mad thinker was going to rob other stores as well, but that's really besides the point. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. If we have ourselves a spooky story, we need ourselves a spooky drink. So I want you to reach inside that paper bag that I've given you oh so long ago and find out what did the ghost of Christmas past 
provide for you this fine, fine Christmas Eve? Let's find out. It is a can. It's feeling like it might be a 16-ouncer, and it is... <gasps> Don't go in there. That's a spook house. <laughs> this is awesome looking. <laughs> Who made this? This is Pariah Brewing Company. And this can is awesome looking. This is orange and purple, and it looks like a, you know, kind of a big giant orange moon behind it, and there's bats flying, and it's an old creepy house, and there's a black cat in a window, and a spooky cleaved-in head person in the front window, and the old scary gnarly tree branches coming out and in that classic horror font it says don't go in there that's a spook house this looks great <laughs> it's got a story time on the back that i think is gonna rick is gonna cover this looks really great this is really really cool well this is an 8.1 percent abv 38 ibu a little on the better side for hmm. our fall seasonal, we wanted to come up with our own Frankenstein's monster. We present to you this hybrid hazy DIPA packed with coffin foals of Nelson and Simcoe hops. While we boiled, nearly done e-vaping, suddenly there came a tapping, as if something gently rapping, rapping on our kettle door. It was buckets filled with Malvasia Bianca and Chardonnay juice, of which we promptly added. We get spooky notes of tangerine, grape, must, and honeysuckle, framed by apricot and peach flavors, with a moderately dry finish. They uh, they kind of went all out on this theme here. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate the poisms. They're really trying to fit in there, but man, talk about a shoehorn. <laughs> this is going to be an IPA, all right. Yeah, yeah. You uh, cracked yours open? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bored, right. man. You were, supposed to, you were supposed to be doing all that while I was talking. That's why I was talking, so you can do all that. I was listening to your dulcet tones, my friend. I was listening to your dulcet tones. I don't know why you should do that. I don't listen to yours. I'm a better person than you. That's why. Well... Duh. Wow, yep, that smells like an IPA. That is a hazy IPA. That is the color of straw, and it's fairly almost opaque. You can't really see through it. Very bubbly. I've got about a two-inch head on my glass, so I'll wait. I'll just put that over here and drink from the can. Yeah, so it's kind of got the orange juice kind of color in there. I'm like, oh. Mm, a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's got that hops. It's got that uh, really strong fruit notes kind of yeah. nose with that kind of IPA. Just a sweet IPA kind of uh, nose, nose to it. That is a very good taste. Ooh. That is a, a, I'm getting a lot of that grapefruit, fruity yeah. kind of notes in there. The initial hit, I hit some pops, but then it goes away. It just gets overpowered by all of those fruit notes. For the aftertaste, and it takes a while to get there, you get those IPA hop notes. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just, it's crisp. It's really sweet and fruit forward. It's very... It's the middle of a summer day when you're standing in a field and you don't have uh, hay fever. <laughs> I don't know that feeling. I don't know that feeling at all. Yeah, that's the feeling that this gives me when you take a sip. Those those first hits, you're like, mm, it's just you can just kind of feel you're wearing something loose and cottony. You're standing outside. There's birds chirping and you can hear insects droning and you're just like, oh, this is just a pleasant day. You can just feel the sun kind of beaming down on you, which is something we could use now in December where we are in the Northwest, which means the dank, dark, rainy season. It's very funny because everything you're talking about is bright spring, kind of a reviewing of nature. And what they're presenting us on the can is something of and danger and dark and mysterious and middle of winter and fall and yeah it's got a lot of cool things on the it's just tasty though the beer itself is quite tasty lots of those fruit notes a lot of that sweetness i'm enjoying this i am very much enjoying this yeah no this is good they're very much going for that uh trick-or-treat vibe and the trick is that it's a treat 
I think th- if there's any moment to go out on, I think that is the moment right there. <laughs> we will go ahead and move on to the opening credits as soon as Jeff decides to take a sip of his beer and tell us about them. Power Pack, issue number 55, April 1990, Mysterio. Credits. Writer, Dwayne McDuffie. Yes, that Dwayne McDuffie. He's awesome. Pencils, Steve Buccioletto. Inks, Dan Spiegel. Letterers, Carrie Spiegel. Colors, Glennis Oliver. Editor, Dan Chichester. Editor-in-Chief, Tom DeFalco. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. Mass Master. Molecular Density. Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed. Flyer, Jack Power, aka Destroyer, Matter and Energy, Katie Power, aka Counterweight, Gravity, guest starring the Power Parents, Jim and Maggie, who do not know their kids have powers, and Mysterio, a Spider Man villain who uses special effects for evil purposes. She sees that Jim is sleeping. She has to be awake. She gets up in the middle of the night because her bladder she must abate. We've all been there. Middle of the night and the call of nature screams in your ear. You're cozy in bed, nice and warm, and you have to get up and wander through the dark to go find the bathroom. You should just be like me. Give up on sleep. That would be a choice that I would not encourage our listeners to follow. They should be more like Maggie Power. So, get a perm? No. No. Just get up and wander over to the bathroom. Do you ever wonder how long it was before they felt safe going back into the bathroom after Inferno? I'm guessing that they may have just been getting calm, which is the right moment for the star of Game Master, Game Master, What Have You Done to do a jump scare. That's right. Boglin, or at least a Boglin, jumps out of the toilet screaming, Get out! Slush! I'm not kidding! Clunk. Now, let's be fair here. If this happens to you in the middle of the night, A, you do not need to use the restroom anymore, and you may need to take a quick shower and change your clothes, and B, you are a-screaming. Not Maggie, though. This lady has seen some places and been to some things and has had her mind run through a chimelian blender. So she jumps, but quickly opens the lid of the toilet, and finding it empty, waves it off as just a bad dream. She also decides that she can probably hold it till morning as she didn't really have to go that bad anyway. Solid reaction from a mother of four kids, who happen to be hanging outside their apartment, floating in the air, waiting for their mom to go back to sleep so they can sneak back in the house. (laughs) If I had a nickel. Apparently, after all of the times that they have done this, they still make mistakes like locking themselves out of the apartment and not remembering that one of them can cloud back in easily and let the others in. I mean, come on! Well, Katie closed the window because the AC was on, and Jack just wants to burn a hole in the wall because he has that power set, and destruction is good! Can't argue with that. But Alex finally remembers that he can take the easy approach and clouds in, unless the other's inside. The boys sneak off back to their rooms, but not before Julie reminds them that they should still have a meeting about how they're going to use their powers to save the world. Instead of doing that earlier, like they had planned, the kids took down some muggers. Apparently, they're still getting used to their new power sets. For example, Katie de-grabbed one up into the stratosphere, and Jack pantsed another one. Okay, pantsing someone is juvenile, but how is that a misuse of his power? Oh, uh, he disintegrated the person's pants. Oh. Well, the boys barely close their eyes before their dad turns on the lights to wish them good morning. 
It seems he was the only one in the family to actually get a good night's sleep last night. And there's nothing so annoying as one person who has had sleep being happy around those who have not. Personal experience? Yeah, personal experience. Yeah. Still, the Power family is up, and eventually having breakfast before they head out to Whitney Biennial, which both Alex and I just don't really care about. What? How dare you? The Whitney Biennial is an art showcase that allows lesser or unknown artists an opportunity to display their work in a major publicized event. This is an amazing art show. Hmm. I'll bet you all the cash in my pocket, against all the cash in your pocket, that you know nothing about the Whitney Biennial besides what you found on Wikipedia. Ha! Joke's on you because, hey, look, someone's at the Powers door. Ding dong! It is their neighbor Kathy and her son Nick. Now, you would think that the power parents would be happy with four kids, but it seems like they're always finding an excuse to add one more to the pile. Nick will be joining the family on their outing to the art thing that we read about on Wikipedia. We also find out that Kathy and her husband are possibly selling their apartment. In fact, a lot of people in the building are starting to think about selling. You see, the building is haunted. Awesome! Yeah, it's amazing what words will cause kids to start paying attention to an adult's conversation, and this is one of them. All the adults start to talk about the rumors or hearsay until Maggie speaks up and mentions that she saw something last night in the toilet. Cool! And the party moves to the bathroom and all the kids wanting to take their turn to stare into the toilet. Let me see, let me see. Nothing in here. Somebody must have called Ghostbusters. Or maybe Roto-Rooter. Jim shoes everybody out of the bathroom and then makes a snide remark to his wife which earns him a tongue sticking out from Maggie. Later at the Whitney Museum. Home of an impressive display of 20th and 21st century American art. Okay, couple of things. First, this story takes place around 1990, so it would not have any of the 21st century art. And second, you got that from Wikipedia also. Well, uh, I could have maybe just misspoke, maybe. But uh, why do you think I got this from Wikipedia? I can still see the hyperlink on the script for American art, right next to where you wrote 21st century. Ah. ah, ah. Anywho, the family is working on their art appreciation merit badge by walking through the museum and observing the pieces presented. And all is well, until Jack finds the opportunity to make a joke. Oh, oh, Jack. Oh, oh, Jack. He finds an art piece that involves a toilet with oat bran written on the water reservoir. Being the mischievous little guy he is, he looks inside and says, Hello! Any ghosts in there? Maggie storms off, saying that they are done. Time to go home. Jim gives a look at his youngest son, and Alex provides his brother with a dope slap that Gibbs would be proud of. Smack! Katie chases after her mom, though. Wait, Mom, I believe you! Later! At the house of the haunted head. Home of the intruding, invasive, creepy jerk. Not lying. A man with a slicked back haircut and an overeager smile is waiting outside the apartment. Apparently, this Mr. Beck is a gentleman who is trying to get people to sell their co-ops. I mean, he's no prince from Persia. True. The parents ask their kids to give them a moment to talk to this snake oil salesman, and the four powered-up pints take off to their rooms. And moments later, Alex clouds in as a mist to listen in. The mist is not missed by the two misters. Jim thinks the AC might be broken, and Beck thinks that one of his tanks is leaking. Huh, well, that is odd. Jim and Maggie are still a hard no on the selling, and escort Mr. Beck out. The pushy proprietor leaves with a warning that the powers will be begging him to buy their place soon. That night, the kids wake up in the middle of the night to do some super sleuthing. First stop, 
the restroom. A good choice. Always go potty before you leave the house. True, but actually they want to see if there's any clues in the bathroom. Clues like a giant, and I mean giant fiber optic cable that Alex found inside of the toilet bowl. I am pretty sure that someone in the family would have seen that the day before, and oh my god, that is a creepy thing to find in your toilet. Hang on to your hat. Alex is going to go super duper sleuthy with his next idea. He wants to follow the cord and see where it goes. And that means... Sploosh! He drops in the toilet and rides the pipes. Insert Katie. Gross! Evaporating through a small crack in the basement, he picks up the trail of the wire. But hears a noise and reverses his track to get to the rest of the team. You're in the toilet! That's nasty! The kids creep downstairs into the basement, or at least try to, but some figure is watching them on a gigantic computer board, and he laughs, like thus. <laughs> Katie, meanwhile, is worried. As Julie tries to calm her down, she hears a spooky sound. Ooh. What are you worried about? I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Jack, that's not funny! Actually, I beg to differ. I find that to be a hoot. The kids enter the boiler room and Jack disintegrates some garbage. By the light of his energy, the kids see slime on the wall seeping through the cracks. While three kids are disgusted, Jack is fascinated. This is the exact same stuff that Mom will not let him get because she says it will get in the carpet and stain the countertops. Ugh. And she's absolutely right. Being homeowners with kids, we know this to be facts now. Which means that this is not real slime, but toy or fake slime. And while Jack plays with the new goop, the big boglin pops in from the wall yelling, Get out! Eat Powerball, Slimer! Woom zap! While the Powerball went through the ghost, it did hit some machine, causing the mysterious man in green with the purple cape to curse all children everywhere for damaging his machine. Speaking of which, the kids see that behind the destroyed wall, there is a whole mess of wires. Not just any wires, but specialized ones for remote controls and holograms. Okay, okay. Hang on. Wait a minute. I am an adult who owns a house, and I have just finally figured out the difference between good wires and bad wires. How does Jack know a holographic imaging wire from a coaxial cable? I'm going to go with because, but uh, I want to circle back around and ask what good wire and bad wires are. Well, a bad wire shocks you, and a good wire doesn't. Duh. Ah, uh, um, uh, how long did it take you to figure that out? Too long. Way, way too long. Get out! Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I did not think my joke was that bad. No, you fool. That was from the horde of monsters that are now filling the basement. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Go, 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 go. Dude, this is the pack. They don't run, they fight. And it does not take every kid not named Katie long to suss out that these are just robots. And that means the smashing commences. There is a brief conversation about code names. Remember, the kids recently switched powers, and apparently this is the first time they thought to talk about code names, you know, in the middle of the fight, while repeatedly using their real names. <sighs> They're kids, man. What can you do? Anyway, with a Woom. The kids finish taking down the quote, ghosts, unquote, which were all robots, remember? And they are now moved on to trying to coax Katie out from under the table she was hiding under. This monster mash freaked her out, and the siblings are now trying to convince her that there is no such thing as ghosts. But Katie's right. There are. Huh? Ghosts. They're real. 
Same with demons and monsters. Uh, yeah, you're, you're not helping. I'm being honest. I mean, the kids have seen ghosts, goblins, demons, gods, celestials, madcap. Well, uh, hmm, yeah. Yeah, true, I guess. I mean, I get that Katie is freaked out. It works in the story. But the older kids using this as an excuse that ghosts don't exist, it's just lazy. Especially when Katie points out that the green-suited purple-caped ghost with a fishbowl on his head has just entered the room. I am Mysterio! Leave this place and never return! Jack, like the song says, is not impressed. He starts to mock Mysterio, which... <laughs> who can blame him? Get a load of this clown! He's got a fishbowl on his head! As classic as this insult is, it still causes the Master of Illusion to start to attack. Insolent whelp! I will destroy you for... Stay away from my brother! Crack. Wump. Katie's degraved ceiling toss knocks out Mysterio and breaks open the helmet of the villain, revealing that it is, in fact, Old Man Beck. Yep, this reveal is a big shock to all of our listeners, I am sure. The biggest shocker is that there was no giant creepy rabbit down here as well. And if this masked, property-grabbing not-ghost was not unconscious, he would say that he would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those darn meddling kids. The next morning, the kids are back in the boiler room with their parents and a cop. Beck is gone, but the destroyed robots are all still lying around being, well, broken. The pack left Beck tied up overnight, reasoning that they could not explain what they were doing in the basement in the middle of the night. Jim explains the literal Scooby-Doo plot to the officer, that Beck was using the robots to try and scare the tenants out. While they have stopped him this time, they are left to wonder why a supervillain wanted their building. Next issue, an incredibly new and intense direction. This issue, themes of it. <laughs> Have them, we do. Now talk. <laughs> themes, issue, current, now. <laughs> Folks, we, we got nothing else in our lives. We just have fun with each other. <laughs> All right. We are talking about the cover to Power Pack number 55, and this was drawn by Steve Lighty. He's mostly known for Doom Patrol and Legion of Superheroes. He's also done a lot of the classic X-Men covers, which I can see. I, I, I've seen a lot of classic X-Men covers. Everybody has. Great book from your time in the 80s. Mm -hmm. But this cover itself, up in the corner box, we don't have Power Pack. We've got Mysterio being green and creepy looking. And inside the cover itself, above Power Pack, we've got spider webs and there's a spider kind of crawling down it's got a death's head on its back and you got power pack standing inside the big no sign think of the ghostbusters no sign and instead of a ghost in there you've got the power pack kids standing in there and alex is kind of holding on to it and the rest of the kids are kind of like leaning through it and they're shaking their fists at just a, a cadre of like creepy critters and a, some skulls and there's like a slimer looking ghost that's kind of looking out breaking the fourth wall going ah get a look at these guys and a guest starring from the pages of Spider-Man, Mysterio, ghouls, goblins, and sewage. Don't look in the basement. What's your thoughts? It's okay. Yeah. It, that, the, you know, yeah, there's kind of a Frankenstein in the upper left. There's a Slimer in the bottom right. There's a massive eyeballs. Uh, it, it's, I don't know. You can definitely tell that it is not Bog. Oh, yeah. You can tell that it is not Bog and Barda. You can tell it's not Barda. It is different art. I'm getting past that. I do like the Mysterio art in the little clip up in the corner. I think that's yeah. really pretty nice. It's just showing that this is kind of going to be a Ghostbusters riff kind of a thing. Sure. Uh, and that they're going to be fighting a bunch of creepy crawlers. Yeah. Down in the basement, you know, so it, it's... 
it's kind of showing, setting it up as a creep house. Yeah. A Halloween kind of uh, affair where it's like, oh, if you like horror, maybe the kids are going to be doing a horror thing. Yeah, it, it, it's okay. It doesn't scream at me to be like, I need to pick this one up. It, it, it's kind of a, oh, okay, that's got a cover. They're yeah. doing stuff. Whatever. It, it's really weird because explaining the cover, I think it actually sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Looking at the cover, I'm like, all these elements are here. It's just not grabbing me. I, I, it might be that Alex looks kind of bored. All the kids look kind of bored. Yeah, I, that might be it. They do not have terrified look on their face. No. Saying that Alex looks bored is so accurate. It's like, oh, these guys. And Julie's, yeah, just kind of looking off like, oh, hey, it's like a, a crawdad dude. And Jack looks like he's he's got your voice and he's saying, get off my lawn, you stupid goblins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shaking his fist. Yeah. Uh, Katie's... <laughs> Just like, oh, hey, look, ghosts. It's like, oh, is that a... Yeah, you can tell she's like, is that a... Frank, is it Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster? Which one is that? It's, you know who I'm talking about, though. You know, the Frankenstein. Yeah, the kids aren't really engaged. Uh, the, the, the most engaged person on here is the Slimer looking out. I mean, yeah. I, I think that he's probably the star of this. Yeah, basically, very much so. And he's kind of got that, uh, <laughs> look at these mooks kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is a... a it's a disappointing cover. It really is. Yeah. Here's the deal. It does not look bad. It's not disappointing because the art on it is bad. It's just, I'm, I, this is me waving my hands around in a kind of a wibbly wobbly, wishy washy kind of fat. Like, yeah, eh, it's just, it's, it's around. It's here. It, it just doesn't scream out to you. Inside the book, though, we got some uh, words that are written down by Mr. Dwayne McDuffie. I love him because he's a writer of Damage Control. I love the Damage Control series. I always think that's kind of fun. It's kind of, it's interesting that the last, or not the last issue, but uh, one of the more recent issues we had, we had the artist that was known from Damage Control. And now we've got the writer that's known from Damage Control. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I love him for his uh, creation of Static Shock and his work, uh, old Justice League cartoon, which is you know, and, you know the two thousands one, I guess it is or something. The yeah, you know, really really good stuff. You know, the whole DC animated universe that kind of started off with, you know, animated Batman, Batman, the animated series and went into, you know, Superman, the animated series and bled up into, you know, Batman Beyond and, you know, that entire milieu of uh, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited and Teen, you know, just, uh, yeah, not Teen Titans, uh, Young Justice, you know, it's just like, oh, all of these are amazing and they all tie together. And so he was part of that and, you know, hats off. He was a fabulous fabulous writer he had earned three eisner award nominations for all of his work in comics he unfortunately passed away back in 2011 when he was 49 day after his 49th birthday from uh, complications from heart surgery and uh, which is extremely sad because he he just did not live long enough he brought us so much great content and it just would have been really nice to to have seen what else he could have brought to the to comics. And I and I will say this right now. I, I quite enjoyed his story here. I thought that he was I thought this is a very good one-off story. I mean it's it's not bog, it's it's not wheezy, it's it's not the people we've known that have come and touched this, but he's got a pretty good deft hand with the kids. I think the kids all come off pretty well. I think he's got them pretty well lined in. He's got a good understanding of the family dynamics. I, I love We've always said we love the slice of life and having the kids go out to an art museum with their parents and them having some fun, kind of making fun of their mom. And mm -hmm. you know, it, it's very true to life with the family. It, it's great for that account. It's the only problem I have with it is because it's such generic. It's a land grab. It yeah. is Lex Luthor going for land grab, except it's 
the lower version of that, which is the haha, I'll scare them, you know, I'll scare them out of their uh, amusement park so that way I can put up a suburb or whatever. You know, I don't know what they did in Scooby Doo, but it's a very Scooby Doo plot. Yes, yes, it is. It's it's right out Scooby Doo. Like, but here's the thing. You don't have to swing for the fences with these books, especially if you're doing a one-off. You're coming in to do a one-off book. You're not writing a long-term story arc. You're just coming in to tell a story. We've seen it before with some of the other one-off stories that we really haven't enjoyed. And a lot of times they're swinging for the fences. They're trying to put so much stuff in there that they're missing that this is just a power pack book. Yeah, I could see that. And uh, it is it is nice because it is very self-contained. It can be done after this. In fact, I think it is. Even though they kind of set it up as a little bit of a cliffhanger and kind of a, well, what does Mysterio want with an apartment building? Well, what about this? Well, what about these things? And I don't think it goes anywhere after this. I think it just whew, evaporates. But here's something like nice, mist. though. Here's something smart that this writer did. This writer said, I am leaving something that's completely inconsequential that somebody else can pick up in the future if they oh. want to. They can or they can't. It doesn't matter. It, he's leaving something out there for somebody to use. He's he's putting the toys mostly back in the box, but he's explaining that he's altered them just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. No, that it, that's a great way of describing it. That is yeah. really great. Yeah. Scooby-Doo plot, it's silly. It's simplistic. They call it out exactly for what it is. Eh, <laughs> Several times. Yeah, when the writer himself is just kind of like, yeah, you guys, you guys know. You, guys you know. all know. I know. We all know. Let's just enjoy it. Yeah. And and once again, here here's Power Pack taking down a, kind of a formidable out, a formidable enemy of Spider-Man's. Mm-hmm. Mysterio has gone toe to toe with Spider-Man more than one occasion. He's you know, if you've seen the most recent Spider-Man movie, I mean, they can use him to great effect in the movies. He's pretty much just a guy who's using special effect powers, but still, you can play around, you can trick people. Kids see through this right away. <laughs> Mysterio is one of those villains where he bounces back and forth between being like, oh, this guy's a joke, and then somebody that I'm like, oh, I really like this character. Yeah. Have you read any of the Amazing Mary Jane? No, I haven't. Those are actually well worth reading, and they deal with Mysterio. They deal with Quentin Beck, and basically, spoilers here, Beck wants to kind of rewrite his past, and he's like always been into movies, and you know that's what he started, doing special effects. And so he's doing kind of a hagiography you know he's he's doing the story of his life in movie form and in doing that he's hiring a bunch of kind of second stringer villains to work on his movie set and everything he's not you know he's he's hidden himself he's disguised himself as a legitimate director mm-hmm. uh, storyteller but mary jane being smart clues in on it very fast and is just like hey you know what you're kind of giving all these people second chances. You're kind of doing this the right way, and you're kind of trying to give yourself a, a second chance as well. I can go along with this. I can help you. And so it's basically her helping Mysterio make a movie. It's actually really pretty fun. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. I, I like that they use Mysterio. I think, you know, especially after we just came out of Acts of Vengeance, where we had a villain that's not normally known for fighting this team, go and fight their team. You know, he, they got mm-hmm. Mysterio in here. I think... I think this is a better Axe of Vengeance story. <laughs> I, I would agree. And an I mean, inadvertent one at that. Yeah. And here's the, here's the funny thing. You know how you make you know how you make this a good one? You make it an actual one? Bring Dr. Doom in and have Dr. Doom want to buy the building for <laughs> some other plans. Dr. Doom is the one who's got this plan to, you know, turn this building into something for Latvarian whatchamacallit. Who knows? Dr. Doom's got this plan and he uses Mysterio to try to scare it, to try to, you know, basically make this a land grab. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> that could be kind of interesting, actually. <laughs> and 
once again, better acts of vengeance story. Okay. Yeah, better acts of vengeance story. Lots of them could be better acts of vengeance <laughs> to story. To be fair, Barlow. <laughs> yeah. <but> the, <laughs> hey, I kind of... Is there a cord line around here or something? I kind of tripped on something. That no, would that's be the, the bar. bar. <laughs> oh, right. it's vaguely annoying. <laughs> what do you think about the interior art for the book? Once again, we've got a different penciler in the book. I'm going to say uh, not bad. Not bad. It's, it's okay. It's serviceable. Yeah. It kind of seemed to me that the further you progressed into it, kind of the quality goes down a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I will say this that the artist does a good job of making the kids look like kids and not, you know, bulked up, yeah. muscled up adults, which is yeah. good. Yeah, muscly dwarves. For the most part, he gets the kids about right. I mean... He's uh, beefed Alex up a little bit. Sure, but uh, I, I can I can accept it. I can accept it, though. No, the, the art's not bad. The thing I really enjoy with the art, and, and I know we're going to get this to later, is that some of his monster art near the back of the book is out of this part. Oh, of it's art. pretty great. Yeah. No, I think, you know what? You're, let's talk about that real quick. The art in this very much reminds me of a, uh, a horror comic. Yes. The art that you would find in a, in a standard generic horror comic. It just happens to be that that kind of art style is being used predominantly for like a slice of life and superhero story. So it it has a weird kind of tonal vibe carryover, but it if I saw this in like oh it's the 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 horror from the deep comic or something I'd be like yeah this totally fits. This works out great for that. No, I I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying there. I And I think we're going to get to talk about the art in a little bit here. I I think for now we're going to go ahead and move on to some other things that we want to talk about. And I'm going to take a little bit of a detour here, not talk about Library or Science Corner, because I want to talk about some very, very brief Power Pack appearances that occur in Fantastic Four about this time. I really don't have any other place to talk about them, and they're really not that deep of Power Pack connections, but I want to make a mention of them. Fantastic Four 337, this is one that is written and drawn by Walt Simonson, our favorite. (laughs) This is called Into the Time Stream. And this is where an alarm has gone off warning Reed that there's something wrong in the time stream. His assumption is that if they do not travel to the future to fix the issue, current timeline will be affected. And so enlisting the aid of Thor, the Fantastic Four are prepared to go back to the future. And they need a babysitter. So on page 14, Susan Richards calls the powers. And on page 18, we have just a brief, brief showing of Sue dropping Franklin off at the power apartment. And the powers are like, uh, Alex, <laughs> Alex, who's just had his hair dyed orange, says, hey, Frank's here. And Jack says, all right, let's party. And oh, apparently Maggie didn't really like her perm so much because now she's got brown hair. But, you know, it's it's a thing. The art of the family and the uh, colorist were just kind of, it's like, well, whatever. Just you, They're the powers. Just, you it's go. Power, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that, that's it. Um, I just wanted to make a mention of it. They are in that. So if you're following along and playing the home version of the game and you want to get all the power pack appearances like we do, there you go. Okay, the other one is a bit more of a meteor issue. This is Fantastic Four Annual number 23, and this is Days of Future Present Part 1 of 4. 
Now, I'm going to go a bit, go ahead and be honest because I just had no real interest in trying to summarize this entire story. So I went ahead and stole this right from Wikipedia. The Fantastic Four and a young Franklin Richards return to their headquarters at New York City's Four Freedom Plaza to discover that he has been replaced by their previous headquarters, the Baxter Building. Upon investigating, they encounter a slightly younger version of the team from an alternate timeline. After the present day, Fantastic Four is defeated in battle, an alternate adult version of Franklin reveals himself. Confused by the sight of the younger Franklin, the adult Franklin uses his immune power to flee. Restoring Four Freedoms Plaza with his departure in doing so, his energy signature is sensed by Rachel Summers, who's off in Great Britain with the Excalibur, and also the X-Men members Forge and Banshee, also in New York City, and a futuristic mutant hunter named Ahab. So after defeating the group of miniature Sentinel droids, the Fantastic Four, joined by Forge and Banshee, search for the adult Franklin at the home of the Power Family. They find him there, but their efforts to reach out to the confused man fail, and he disappears. So Power Pack's little uh, appearance in here is, starts on page 22 when adult Franklin is playing hide-and-seek with the kids, which is really confusing, because the kids are sitting there playing hide-and-seek with Franklin, and they're like, you know, I think Jim Power comes in and is like, you know, hey, what's going on? Oh, Franklin's here. We're playing hide-and-seek with him. And quickly, like, look behind the couch, and there's an adult there, but they think it's just regular young Franklin. Even Jim has a moment where he's like, Frank, Franklin? And then it kicks in, and, like, he goes, like, oh, oh, yeah, it's just little kid Franklin, because he recognizes that this is an adult for a split second. Yeah, until it's like, oh, no, wait, I just, uh, yeah. Oh, I was mistaken. I was mistaken. Of course, was it's, ch- it, of course it's kid Franklin. Right. So, and then on page 27, 29, when Fantastic Four show up, like, they come in holding the young Franklin. They're like, well, wait, what's Franklin doing there? What's, oh, oh, that's, an, what's going on? And they explain it to them. Once again, it's it's just the power kids being regular. They're not actually using their powers at all. It's just a very small, tiny appearance. But I like this because it just ties that connection between Fantastic Four and Power Pack with Franklin and the kids being able to play. And yeah, yeah that's where, if if Franklin's going to go play somewhere, even if it's an adult version of Franklin, he's going to go play with the power kids, which I like. If, yep. the, if Fantastic Four is going to go back to the future, they need somebody to babysit Franklin, uh, we're, we're going to call up the power family. Yeah, we're not going to just dump them on uh, Herbie like they used to do. Now they're going to go, hey, we have actual human beings that we could call upon that are more than happy to give our child some social structure. Yeah, like a family should. Bye. Back to the future. Because they're a completely normal family that has no powers and they are never in danger. Blink, blink. Blink, blink. Blink, blink. Uh, they don't have any uh, space-born antics. They've never been uh, abducted multiple times by at least one alien race. Uh, <laughs> no. No shenanigans in this family. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what there is in this family? What? There is power thoughts. There is also a refrigerator. And on that refrigerator is a mess of pictures. I mean, they got lots of pictures. They got like three comic books worth of pictures. Because, you know, Fantastic Four Annual and Fantastic Four there's three. But we're only looking at one. We're really only looking at art from one, and that's the Power Pack issue. So let's talk about what pieces of art in this book do we think belongs on that family refrigerator. I'm going to go ahead and start first, and I'm going to start with my funny backup one, and that is going to be all the way on page 10. And I call this one the toilet cam. Ah, uh, yes. Not going to lie, you just picked my happy top of the list first place one, and I call it toilet's eye view. 
That was your best artwork in the in the issue. Yep, this is yep. my best artwork in the issue. Yeah, yeah, I, I put this as my as my funny backup one, but I had to put it in the toilet cam. It, yeah, it, oh, you have to. You it have is to. just it is hilarious to me. It, yeah, it is super funny, but I'm also like I also just really like this because they they alter the panel, they make it look like the cutout on a toilet seat, and I'm like, oh, that's great. I like that. Yeah, and and looking in, looking in, you've got Jack front center, kind of above him is is Alex. Around the other side, you got Julie, and below him is the the, uh, the neighbor kid, and then kind of in dead center is Maggie, and Katie's kind of like holding onto her legs, and yeah. they've all got different expressions on their face. But I mean, Jack is right there. Cool. Let's see if we can find something gross in here. It is a toilet. <laughs> they are just spending too much time being fascinated by toilets. There's a lot of looking in toilets in this issue. There is. There is. There really, really, there really is. is. <laughs> All right, I stole your top one, but what is your funny backup one, sir? My joke backup one is on page 13, and I call it, No, Alex, that came out of the toilet. <laughs> yeah, this is my top funny one as well. <laughs> I call it, I call it, okay, that's a big wire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is the, uh, the, the giant, the inch thick fiber optic cable that's uh, in the toilet. And it has Alex has picked it up. You know, he's like, there's some kind of high tech fiber optic monofilament. I'm going to see where it goes. And it's just like, this is the most obvious. And be like, okay, go into your bathroom. There's normally a garden hose running down the down the to- down the toilet, right? Uh, 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 sir, an orange, <laughs> an, an orange, orange garbage yeah. hose. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's just it's just it's ridiculous. It is just it's a thing that you would see. Everybody would see. It's hard to not see. You know, it's it's like maybe maybe we'll say it was. I don't know. It's under the rim of the toilet or something. But it is very much just like this is a huge cable. Go back to the picture we just talked about with all the kids sticking their head in the toilet yeah. to see this. They would have seen it. Yeah, it would have been noticed. Jack especially. He was pretty front and center on that toilet staring. <laughs> oh, we got the same one. My top joke one is on page 10, and I call it, I tricked Jack into paying me a nickel to stare into the toilet. Because right next to the toilet cam one in the upper right-hand thing, it has all the kids looking in. And Alex is, like, walking away, like, pleased with himself. And he's, like, tossing a coin. He's, he's got something that he's tossing and catching in his hand. It really looks like he tricked somebody into whitewashing his fence for him or being paid a nickel to look at the haunted toilet. So, Yeah, I, I missed him throwing something up and down the air. I, I, I missed that part. But what I thought you were going to pick on this page also was the one in the bottom corner where Maggie's sticking her tongue out of Jim. Because that's also a pretty good picture, too. <laughs> yeah. My backup best one is on page number one. Me too. Really? Okay. Yeah. It's the bottom one? Bottom picture yeah. on the page? Yep. Get out. I called surprise. <laughs> okay. I called it flush it down, flush it down. <laughs> we can put those together. Surprise. Yeah. Flush it <laughs> surprise, down, flush, flush it down. <laughs> so what this is, is this is the moment that Maggie has come in here and the monster, the boglin, comes jumping out and it's pretty awesome looking it's green it's got purple claws it's got yellowish eyes and it's just kind of freaky looking it's kind of just appearing out of the out of the swirling depths of the toilet kind of funny too you got maggie over in the corner going yeah <laughs> she's got this it's a very weird picture of maggie over in that corner but yeah <laughs> yep it's it's it is it's just neat it's it is it's a boggling jumping out of the toilet and scaring somebody going ooga booga <laughs> Get out of your apartment. Sell it to a man for a cheap price. Yeah. I'm not a hologram. <laughs> I'm not a hologram. Not a hologram. Not a hologram. Ignore this wire connected to me. <laughs> Still not a girl. Still not a girl. <laughs> uh, not a robot. Not a robot. Not a girl. 
<laughs> on my best one, since I've already taken your top best one, my best one is all the way over on page 18, and I call this one Get Out. And we've talked about this one before. Uh, yeah. This is the monster mash that is just quite beautiful. It's it's really creepy, really awesome looking. And it's this, just this group of monsters coming up power pack, and they are... They are just something to look at. We've got one that's all purple. We've got another one that's kind of got, looks like it's a bit of a mummified with its hair kind of crazy out. you got a couple of orange beasts in the background. you got this like moss, mo- green moss monster up coming out. and got another guy who's blue and shadowy with wild hair. And just as all these monsters coming out, it's very cool looking, especially with the framed of the pipes in the basement. Yeah, no, it, it looks good. It's a lot of classic-ish styled monsters. Yes. I, I think that, that brings us to the end of the pretty, pretty pictures. Yeah. There's only one thing left to do, and that's uh, insult each other. Oh, okay. Um, you are a toilet starer. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Well, uh, you eat oat bran. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Jeff. Ouch. Why don't you go ahead and give me your backup one, Mr. Fiberman? Man, I'm going to need a minute to recover from that. So I'm going to say my backup is on page eight. And this is when they're all around the kitchen table and they're talking about what their plan is for the day. And they're, hey, they're going to go to an art show. And that's, you know, hurry up because we're going to go. It's going to be great. And Alex in his head is like, oh, great, an art show. And Jim leans over and kind of stage whispers to him, don't worry, we'll do something fun afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) And Megan's response is, I heard that, Jim. I heard that, Jim. I know. I just love the aspect. I feel sorry for Megan. This this. Oh, yeah. Maggie gets the shaft in this one. Yeah, Maggie gets the short straw on literally everything in this, which is too bad. But I just thought that it was a good insult to go like, we'll do something fun afterwards. It's like, yes, we're going to appease your mom. I don't want to do this either. (laughs) Mine is up on... (laughs) You know what? You know what, Jeff? I'm not going to do it again. Why don't you go ahead and tell me what your top one what top one is before I get around to talking about what my rubber and glue moments are. Okay. (laughs) My uh, top rubber and glue moment that I've kind of already basically alluded to and just flat out said is on page 10, and it is the bottom right-hand panel. And this is after they've all stared at the toilet to their heart's content, and you know, Jim's like, all right, everybody, show's over, and he's all ghosts in the toilet, Margaret. And her comeback to that is to simply stare him dead in the eye and stick her tongue out at him. And if there is anything more childish than that, I do not know. Yeah, th- this was my backup one, too. I, I yeah. loved it, too. I loved it, too. This is... I just... I ha- I couldn't steal another one for you. I had okay. to give you that one. <laughs> We've had a lot of the similar ones in yeah, this that, one. We We've did. Had we similar did. taste, it's, which it's, is pretty great. My top one is over on page 15. And this is after Jack has been kind of teasing Katie. You know, what are you afraid about? I ain't afraid of no ghost. Jack, that's not funny. Let's just go already. And Jack says, ooga booga. And Katie's response is, Booga booga back to you. I'm sorry. We are calling the section rubber and glue moment. That, my friend, is rubber and glue. Yeah, that one that bounced around in my head for a while. Jack is like, I cut some glue, ooga booga, and she's like, right back at you. Yep. Ooga booga back to you. Yeah, that is that is a great one. I fully agree. That is, a, that is a good comeback to an insult. That is pretty swell. <laughs> that brings us, of course, to Stars and Detention. That's where we try to find out who is the best and the worst child in this book. And we always start off with the worst child, don't we, Jeff? Yep, we always start with the worst child, the detention kid. And who are we sending to a detention today, Jeff? Well, here was the thing on this. Everybody was fairly just fine in this. Everybody, nobody was really good. Nobody was really bad. Everybody Mm. just kind of was... In my opinion, in your opinion, that that's your opinion. Did you did you figure out who uh, who you could call from the herd though? 
Yeah, I'm going to say Julie was my detention kid. Really? Okay. Yeah, and it's mostly just due to lack of anything. She didn't yeah. really do much at all. Nah, she she was she was present for this episode. I can she see was that. very present. Yeah, that is a great way of describing her. She was present, and that's kind of about it for her. I chose Jack. Okay, I could see that because um, let's be honest, he was a bit of a brat. Yes, he was very much a brat during <laughs> he, he this. Was, he was incredibly brat. I mean, he's the one who wanted to go check out the toilet. He was also the one he was making faces at Beck, which yeah, yeah. okay, the, Beck deserved it, but still, you're a kid. A little respect, okay? You know, a little respect. He was giving Katie a hard time. He was uh, being a real brat at the museum. You know, was, you mm-hmm. know, really, really rubbing in his mom. He just, he was being a bit of a brat. He was. I fully agree on that. Uh, he was my detention child for a while until I was kind of like, well, he noticed, you know, he was like, hey, this slime is toy slime. It's not, it's not real. So it's not as scary. You know, it's just, he did enough stuff to kind of balance out. He was like, hey, all these wires in the wall, they're, you know, micro servers and, and fiber optics, the remote control wires. You know, it's just like, how the heck did he know that? You know, it was just like, he did enough stuff to kind of counterbalance it for me. It just, just uh, of the first br- paint, you know, brush of the paint mm-hmm. on this one, I was like, yeah, it's Jack. But then it's like, ah, he was a little more nuanced than that. He had a little bit more going on. So, again, like I said, nobody was really good. Nobody was really bad. They were there. Yeah, I can get that. I can get that. So, who do you have as your top, though? I'm going to say Alex. Okay, yeah, I have Alex as well. Okay, why do you have Alex? Well, he was a super sleuth. He solved the mystery. He yep. was always thinking. He came up with the idea of clouding down the toilet. He came up with the idea of, of you know, he he opened his eyes and actually found the wire. Um, yep. He just, yeah. he, he was the one solving things. He actually was smart, Alex, which we just don't see enough of. There was also the fact he figured out kind of an you know, offshoot for his power where he's like, I've been wanting to try this. You know, he didn't, he could have just gassed down the toilet, but he was like, Katie, make me super dense. I want to see if I can go liquid. Oh, he went liquid. Okay, great. Uh, so he kind of figured out how to figure out, you know, a new density where he wasn't gas. He wasn't solid. You know, he was he was a liquid. He was, mm-hmm. you know, he's taken all three states of matter, which is great. I don't think they ever do anything with that again. But uh, I was like, oh, okay, cool. You, 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 you made a power feat. Good job on you. Yeah. He also realized that be, being a cloud meant he could break into his house real easy and let the family in. You know, that was kind of a weird thing for me where it's just like, how are we going to get in? I don't know, Power Pack. How are you going to get in somewhere that you always get into? Eh? Oh, you figured it out. You did the thing you've been doing since issue two. So, <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that completely. I, I, I think he was very smart. I think he was doing something, something clever this time. I think that that's why he, he did good finally. Alex yeah. finally did what he should be doing. <laughs> exactly. You know, he has the cliffhanger at the end where, you know, he's like, I've got a scarier thought. What does a supervillain like him want with our apartment building? I just hope it's over. You know, it's just like he's actually thinking of the big picture. He's not just like, we beat up some robots and the problem is dealt with. It's no, it's like, no, well, wait a minute. Something's going on with that. Mm-hmm. It's probably quite nefarious. So it's like he's actually big picturing it. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I, I think that then would lead us into ranking this book and we have got an ever-growing list when we rank these books and this one goes all the way down to number 63 but at the top of the list we've got spot number one power pack number 42 revenge of the boogeyman that's not going anywhere anytime soon number 10 power pack number 43 boogeyman must die number 20 power pack 22 trapped number 30 power pack for number 14 school days 
Spot number 40, Power Pack 31, Crackdown. You remember that's when Alec burns down the crack house in order to destroy all the drugs? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I shred, uh, like, bank statements as I just set fire to my house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spot number 50, The Breakfast Club. That's where they break in the Avengers Mansion. And, of course, at the bottom, Power Pack 56. <sighs> Bad Axe of Vengeance. This is the good Axe of Vengeance. Where do you feel <laughs> that this should be? I think you like this issue more than me. I may. Uh, I may. It's it's not a terrible issue, mm-hmm. but it's it, it's definitely not top tier, but no. it's okay. No. I would say that this is probably, well, uh, let's go back up to uh, number 50. We have Breakfast Club. It's had a bit of a one-off. It's the Avengers break in, yeah. or they, they bring an Avengers mansion. They, they argue and tell about telling their parents about their powers and they, they, they fight half-dressed Avengers. Um, <laughs> do we think this is better or worse than that one? Uh, from my recollection of Breakfast Club is I, th- I think I like Breakfast Club a little bit better than this one. Okay. How about you? I'm willing to go with that one. I think I'm not going to go any lower yeah. than number 52, where it's Strange Tales 12 and 14, 12 through 14, mm. Disorderly Conduct. Yep. I think this is comparable, actually, because uh, it, it's fun stuff. It's Power Pack meeting Cloak and Dagger and, and meeting uh, Punisher. A very, well, it, it's all right, but I think that this one's a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. I think that this one is a bit better than the Strange Tales ones, uh, which puts us at 51, which is the job from Girls Comic, which is uh, where they babysat Cable. You know, so. I think that, that one's a little bit more uh, enjoyable than this one. I, I, I think they're. I think it's in the right spot here. I think that this one probably fits really nicely between disorderly conduct and the job. Okay, I fully agree on that. So it can be the new 52. Sounds good to me. I think a pretty good showing for it. Really, honestly, for a one-off issue, it's enjoyable. I I would definitely read this again sometime. It definitely is above some that are just kind of... It's right there on on that border of, hmm, these ones are okay. This one's good. This one's good. I I think this is a, a good issue. (laughs) <laughs> it's just uh, realizing the new. F- what's fun to me? It's the new Fifty Two, and it's done by Dwayne McDuffie, who's involved with the you know some DC properties, and that was a DC property thing. The new Fifty Two. So hey, hey, inadvertent tie-in. Uh, we need to talk about beer. Yes, we need to talk about beer because beer always beer is what brings us together today. No. <laughs> <laughs> beer, we, the cause of and solution, solution to, to all, all of life's, life's problems. problems. Don't go in there. That's a spook house. And this is from Pariah Brewery. And very spooky little can there. Yeah, but, I like the can. Uh, but the drink is quite pleasant. Uh, it started more pleasant for me than it has turned into over the hour. I still have about a half half a pint left in my glass. Uh, when I'm tasting it, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah. The bright, crisp summer notes of it that I was getting off like the first, you know, handful of sips, those have faded away pretty quickly where it's just like, you know, uh, that aftertaste of the hops becoming an IPA becomes pretty present pretty quickly mm-hmm. for me. So it's, I liked it more earlier. I think it's more enjoyable, nice and cold. I think once, yes. it, once it gets warmed up, those bitter notes really come in. They do. I, I will say this though for it. It has a lot of flavor. It may it, not be the yeah. flavors that we that we enjoy much. I mean, we're starting to get a lot of those hops in there, and we sometimes have a problem getting by the hops. <laughs> but I will say this: there's a lot of flavor in here. 
it may not be enjoyable for our tongues, but I think that people who really enjoy a heavy flavored hop beer, I think that this is for them. I think this is pretty high up there on, on that flavor chart. I agree. Uh, I, it's not the beer that we deserve, but the beer that we need. Well, that's just disappointing. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I think there are definitely people that would really, really enjoy this. I'm not one of them, unfortunately. I'm willing to give it a 3.5. I, I see a lot of promise in there. I see that mm. it is above the middle of the road. I I enjoy what it's bringing to the table. I think that it's it's got a lot going for it. Not my favorite cup of tea, but I, I'm giving it a lot of benefit of the doubt. Where are you sitting at it? You talked me up. I'm going to give it a 3. For me, it is, I'll drink it. I would drink it again. Uh, I, w- I would definitely remember the can and be like, hey, I've had that. <laughs> it's it's okay. I'm man. The more that I think, the more I'm drifting towards a two five. <laughs> well, we should and maybe get... we should maybe move off this before you really you know scare uh, this nope, beer away. Two five now. Ah, it happened. We stuck we stuck around too long. Carrie, where were you? Why didn't you save this beer from me? If only she had arrived earlier in the kid's perspective to save me from my downgrade of a beer. And the kid's perspective is where Rick talks to his daughter, Carrie, about the issue we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie talking to each other about a comic. Hello, Carrie. Uh, hi. How are you, Carrie? Uh, good. This is my voice of Scooby-Doo. Hmm, not bad. It's not a good Scooby-Doo voice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why did I do Scooby-Doo voice? Well, it's because uh, the Scooby-Doo stuff, they normally have, have a lot of those mysteries and sometimes a few creepy mysteries. And they mentioned Scooby-Doo a couple times at the end of the book, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. And usually at the end of the book, they find out that it's somebody they saw earlier in the story and it's old man so-and-so and he's doing something. And I, You haven't watched too many Scooby-Doo shows, have you? No. I should get you to watch more Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and there's also comics, too. There is. But we're not talking about Scooby-Doo. We're talking about Power Pack. What did you think of this Power Pack issue? Nice. Was it fun? Was it creepy? Was it boring? Was it fantastic? Well, when they started mentioning the ghosts, I, for some reason, I didn't feel as creeped out as I should be because, I don't know, it just felt normal when they said, there's a ghost in the building. Yeah, sure. Move on. <laughs> You're not a big fan of ghosts or scary things, are you? No, but I just, like, pass it as if it was nothing, and then I'm like, oh, well, it's important. Moving on. So you don't mind them being in the story, then? Yeah, they can be in the story. I mean, I guess they, without the, um, I guess the story would kind of be missing a few parts. Yeah, be missing a lot. What did you think about the ghost and the storyline itself and how there's a ghost in the building, how the kids solved it. You know, by sneaking off by themselves into the basement where there's green slime and then defeating the bad guy. How did they do that? How did they figure out that was in the basement? Alex, he kind of clouded into the toilet. Is that nasty? Yeah, it kind of is. And, uh, and then he found some other stuff. He followed the wire on down into the basement and then he went and saw where there was a bunch of other things down there, right? Yeah. What did you think about the bad guy, Mysterio? Well, I remember Mysterio. From what? Some of the movies we watched and some of the comics. Yeah, we have seen him in a movie. I think he did appear once in one of the comics that we read. All ages power pack stories, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
And also, I have these Spider-Man comic books. He appeared quite a few times in that, too. Cool. There you go. Because he's a Spider-Man villain, duh. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. Appreciate that. <laughs> what did you think of the cover of this book? I don't know. The green things look kind of goofy. Yeah. What about Power Pack? Why are they um, holding up a giant cross sign? A, cr- a giant no sign? Yeah, no sign. Well, I haven't let you watch Ghostbusters yet. Yeah, oh, it's Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's it's kind of the symbol for oh, Ghostbusters. Well, they did do uh, they did me- Jack, Jack did mention Ghostbusters. Yeah, who are you gonna call Ghostbusters? So that's kind of the reason why. Do you like the cover or not like the cover? Do you find it boring? Do you find it fun? I like the the big green guy's face and it looks quite goofy. <laughs> He's just like yeah. That's kind of the one part of the book of the cover that uh, Jeff and I like too. Is there anything else in the book that you want to talk about? No. Nothing? Nope. What? What about going to the art museum? You like art, right? Yeah. Would you have been bored going to the art museum? Well, it kind of was a small little thing there. Well, they just they didn't spend the entire book on it. They just spent one page. But would you have been bored like uh, Alex and Jack were? Probably not. <laughs> so next time Maggie Power decides to go to the art museum, she should take you, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's all I've got for you. Is there anything else? Okay, this time now. All right, thank you very much for your time, Carrie. I love you. Love you too. <laughs> Good points as always, Carrie. I know those were some creepy critters, weren't they? Shout out time! We'd like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. This is for episode 70, where we talked about Power Pack, number 53. <laughs> Chinks in the armor. AJ, who says, oh no, not this issue. Al Sedano and Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. Charles Gears. Charlie Rose. Charlton Hero. Chris Lydon. Chris Reeves. Comics in the Golden Age. Green Lantern HG. Hal Jordan. The Hammer Strikes. Hoover Jeremiah and the Four Million Years Later Podcast. Kyle Sinelli. Malcontent, who says... I had had the Acts of Vengeance issue blocked out of my mind. It was weird and unsettling, even as a kid. And now it is nothing but yike! Max Traver. Mr. Toon. Nicholas Prom. Noah DC. Sean Ross and the Seer Oars and Beyond podcast. This is just to say... Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and his podcast, The Outcasters. Waffles, who says, If Dr. Doom is such a good doctor, you'd think he could cure Mary from her typhoid. Good point, Waffles. <laughs> Why didn't we think of that? Why didn't he think of that? He did. Well, maybe he probably did. Maybe he needs the typhoid for some nefarious plan. Jeff, stop trying to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> you mean, <laughs> is it over? Did it ever start? Ah, uh, you're pretty. Yeah. Aw, I know. It's a good thing I'm pretty. So good I'm pretty. The Worst Comic Podcast Ever with Colin Stapleton. Be sure to check out our other shows that we're on. Our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast and Monthly Monday Movie Muck about my fantastically awesome show on The Long Box Crusade. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. 
Jeffrey McPresent is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience consisting of one spooky can of beer in Portland, Oregon. If you'd like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you could do so through Twitter at Jeff and Represent, our Facebook page, Jeff and Represent, our email address, Jeff and Represent, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Also, our YouTube channel is Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present all one word. We are a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. Please do. I missed having reviews. (laughs) And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We We love love you. you. Until next time, costumes Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Hillbilly Swing. All music is by Kevin McLeod of Competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Because the magic of editing, I can splice a dice. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Smack. When you start to have seizures because of the blinking lights, just let me know. I'll turn them off. Oh, (laughs) well, not a problem. Uh, That's the only thing. I'm like, yeah, those lights behind you are nice and distracting, though, when I go to them. It's just like, blink, blink, blink. Now they're all, wave, wave. Smack. Nice save. It is their neighbor, Car- mm, Carly. It is their neighbor, Kathy, and she does not like Mondays. And their son, Nick. Now, you would think that... <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. That was horrible. That was terrible. It's their neighbor, iCarly. She doesn't exist yet. <laughs> that was bad, Kathy joke. <laughs> <laughs> nice save. It is their neighbor, Kathy, and she says, Ack! <laughs> oh man you just summed up like all <laughs> kathy comics right there i don't even know who does them and i feel bad for insulting them but i mean uh, a kathy comic doesn't seem too hard to write Smack. <laughs> oh alex <clears throat> <laughs> i just make his miku becomes more and more ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> Smack. That Gibbs would be proud of. Who's Gibbs? NCIS. Who's NCIS? It's a TV show. It's the show that Gibbs is on. Yeah. Insert Ooh. smack. <laughs> Mark, Mark, Hammond, Mark Hammond plays Gibbs on NCIS, and he gives dope slaps to the back of his head, the heads of his insubordinates. What are you, 72? Yes. Yes, I okay, am. That makes, that makes sense. <laughs> Shut up, I like the show. <laughs> smack. And moments later, Alex clothes in clothes and moments later alex clouds in as a mist to listen in yeah i always thought that uh alex's power set was weird that he can turn into clothes it's like the clothe monger is his superhero name and he just turns into outfits i mean they don't move or anything he just like oh huh, i don't know why there's a you know a, a, a dress laying on that couch i, I, I just remember i just here, remember but... that you can't see me just staring daggers at you and quietly Let drinking my beer and judging you yeah, okay, now I'm looking at you. Yeah, that's that's an awkward beer drink. You didn't even it didn't even touch your lips. Smack. That night? I mean, they didn't need to let him in in the first place. He was down at the front door. He could they could have said, "No, thank you. Goodbye." It's called but he just story. <clears throat> it's called yeah, plot. I know. Yeah. Did it for story reasons. Smack. Who wants Mysterio? You do. <sighs>
the biggest shopper is that there was no giant creepy rabbit down here as well. Yeah, it's still not funny, but that's just you. <laughs> somebody's somebody's going to get it, and they're going to Somebody laugh. will get it, and hopefully they'll comment on it. And then they'll be like, oh, foolish Jeff, how could you not know it was Donnie Darko? And I'll be like, I don't know, I just, 